Welcome to the Calpart Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence. Is with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the Batcave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? Hey, man, it's been a rough week, but you know what time it is. It's time to do another show. That's what gets me feeling better. So it's all good, man. Hey, got three different and interesting topics compared to what we usually talk about. But you know what? I'm ready to get into it, bro. <laughs> I was ready for you to say it's time for the percolator for some odd reason. It's time for the percolator. It. Never mind. Sorry. Yes. Thank uh, you. I was going to do the dance, but nobody wants to see that. Yeah, that's correct. Nobody wants to see that. Uh, thank you for listening. This is episode 70 of the Calpart Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Calpart Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast for fans of sports, current events, and entertainment. And as always, we are your hosts, Terrence and Jason. And every single Thursday, we come to you with a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we love. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle Cal Park Bros or Cal Park Bros Podcast. For more behind the scenes of the show and just to engage with us every single day. But as I always say, don't forget that the Cal Park Bros Podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you Listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? That's right, folks. Like Terrence says, we are the podcast you hear and watch. Just make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. Yeah. Speaking of folks having a rough week, uh, we're going to kick off the first uh, segment of the show talking about the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, <laughs> I think we always have interesting topics. I know Jason was just fucking around, but... Uh, for 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 a show that allegedly wanted to stay away from politics, sometimes it's the most interesting thing to talk about. And often, if we give it just a day or two, some of our stronger opinions really start to crystallize. And that's the Inflation Reduction Act. And so this got passed uh, by President Biden, I believe, literally yesterday. And... A lot of people are feeling like this ain't going to do a damn thing to, to reduce uh, inflation. And so what I really wanted to cover is just, number one, start off by addressing some of the items that are in the bill. If I, if, if Jason will allow me. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> so one of the, one of the first things that it's going to do is they upgraded the uh, the uh, tax rate for corporations. And another thing that they did is they put a, a cap on the amount of money uh, you'll pay in, 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 in medical bills if you happen to be under Medicare. And to me, the biggest thing that I saw from the bill is there was a complete revamp on the uh, on the EV or electric vehicle for those who hate acronyms. <laughs> on, on how that uh, that effectively will get applied, not only this year, but the year after that, and the year after that. And so uh, now that I've kind of laid out some of the the key points about the Inflation Reduction Act. Jason, what are some of your thoughts about 
um, this this act and some what's contained in there. And lastly, like, do you feel this actually make a dent in reducing inflation? So my initial thought is, you know, whenever people hear inflation, they relate it to things most relative to them. You know, gas, far as gas in your car, you know, food, you know, stuff like that, um, or housing for that matter. So when you read off those five key points that's, that are in this bill, none of those things have anything to do with those three, three things I mentioned. So that's kind of my first thought is none of those five things have an effect on me, which I know might sound selfish, but when you apply that out to everybody in the country, a lot of people know this stuff applies to them. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some great things in here. One key point to that, that as you mentioned with the corporate tax rate going up, that supposedly tax rates for individuals and households will not go up. So that's an important thing there. Obviously, that's pretty good for me as well. Uh, I'm not doing any prescription, prescription jugs at the time, so not a big deal there. Uh, one thing that is pretty cool, uh, IRS tax enforcement is supposedly going to be getting like an $80 billion investment, which for those of you who filed your taxes back in January and February still haven't gotten your return yet, that might sound pretty good to you right now. Uh, so, and I know some people like that. So, uh, the Affordable Care Act, obviously we know what that's about. So, uh, good things in there, but that's what kind of stood out to me initially was those things that aren't really going to be addressed when it comes to the impact it may make on inflation when it comes to it lowering it. There are experts out there and studies out there that will show that this likely will have no impact on inflation. And in fact, it may make it even go up. Uh, the Penn Warden, Penn Warden budget model uh, shows that the low confidence, and this is per Forbes, uh, there's low confidence that legislation will actually have any impact on inflation. Um, and and again, if that, that turns out to be true, then it almost kind of, and I hate saying what's really the point, but the main thing is if prices aren't really going down of things in regards to what I can see in my everyday spending. Now, now, I will say, apparently, supposedly, it's going to cut the deficit down by like $100 million. Um, let me actually go back to that. The federal government ran a deficit of $2.8 trillion last year, and this this bill supposedly may decrease the deficit by $100 billion over the next decade. It's not like next year or anything, but over the decade. So, obviously, the country reducing its debt was great, but... But again, inflation-wise, doesn't seem like it's going to do anything. And in fact, I remember talking to uh, Terrence the other day, mentioning that I read a, a different story that gas prices here in the Midwest are going to start going back up. And sh- and sure enough, when I told you that, gas here in Indy was three sixty-five. That's where I saw it the lowest. Went past that same gas station this morning. Guess what? It was at three ninety-nine. So just not one or two days. I talked to you. Went up thirty-four cents. Just like that. So now again, that may not be every state, but if you're in a state where you are going to see that increase and you see this inflation reduction act, which obviously is not going to happen immediately. Although there are some supposed immediate things you might be able to start seeing, it may or may not be in gas, which is what we all really care about. So, Yeah. So speaking of things that are going to happen immediately, perfect segue, uh, the clean vehicle credit. So for... For those of you you that may be on the fence about getting an all-electric car, 
I know, Jason, for a little while I was debating if and when I decide to upgrade, do I go full electric? Do I go with a plug-in hybrid model? And I was kind of tossing tossing up um, you know, some potential models that I might be interested in in the future. Um, and this, this Inflation Reduction Act literally ch- changed. I imagine if you went from 70 potential options. If you're looking to get into the EV game to 20. (laughs) Because they literally, they, this is the part that kills me. I get the idea that the Inflation Reduction Act, um, I almost, the more we say the name, the more I hate the name. Because all it really calls attention to is what it doesn't do. <laughs> now, I mean, I will say real quick, all these studies could be wrong and we could actually see a benefit because, I mean, studies aren't always correct. So it could be a benefit when it comes to reducing inflation. Now, again, how soon if it does? That may be the question. I mean, will it be while Biden's still in office? <laughs> Who knows? So, And I'm not going to even really get fixate on who's in office. I'm really fixating more on, okay, what was enacted, what is the impact, short-term and long-term. And so if you're one of those fine folks that thought that, oh, I'm going to come up and get like $7,500 off a Kia, for example, well, the game is changed, champ. (laughs) Because that's no longer an option. See, they don't care how baller-esque that Telluride is. (laughs) I did not buy my Kia for any kind of rebate or discount or anything like that. I bought it because it's a good car, sir. Endorsement. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting that literally 70 potential options went to 20 just because of the uh, the requirements. They're so stringent, right? They're saying, oh, it's got to have certain uh, certain um, pieces of the of the car uh sourced uh from America and you got to have you know it's got to be effectively packaged up and ready to go in America and I'm like that sounds great you know I know for a fact Volkswagen is ramping up their production here in the states that's fantastic there's just one problem you can't go from 0 to 100 literally and figuratively like it's going to take time for businesses to get ramped up with these new requirements. And so the fact that you had 70 options go to 20 just tells me, well, one, it almost confirms what a lot of people outside of Washington say about these damn politicians. Y'all ain't never ran a business in y'all life. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have the requirements. I'm saying if you're going to complain about how expensive electric vehicles are, Congratulations, you might be contributing to that because anybody with some money is now that, let's be honest, a lot of folks were in not for these tax incentives would not be considering these electric vehicles. That's, that's, that's the hook. So that is my frustration you know, I'm glad if you're one of those people that feels like, hey, we got to prioritize 
um, reducing the carbon footprint. Okay, great. But if you start having supply chain issues and all these damn electrical vehicle manufacturers, I mean, hell, I know for a fact, Rivian is losing all this money because they took 200,000 orders in and they only made 80,000. It's not sustainable. I don't care how well-intentioned the act is. If it's not based in reality, then it is absolutely not going to do what the act actually says. This is one of those cases where it's not all in the name, sir. The name means nothing. I mean, the name means yeah. something. It just doesn't. Well, it, it, it means something. On paper, looks great. Sounds great. Less feeling. Just one problem. I don't think any of those clean energy initiatives are realistic. And, and if the goal is to make electric vehicles more affordable, I don't see how you're doing it. I don't see how you're doing it. I really don't. Um, first off, you kind of fucked over all of these other manufacturers by making it happen like that. Like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, and then e even the most well-intentioned automobile manufacturer is going to have a hell of a time trying to bring in this level of adherence. And it just seems like, well, we're just going to have this rule, but it's a rule not based in reality. I do like that in 2024 that they'll actually be instead of instead of getting um the credit after you can apply it at purchase i'm like what if you're going to do th things automatically why the hell not do that now then i don't then i as the consumer don't have to worry about chasing your ass uncle sam for the 7500 you hear me? Uncle Sam's pretty fast, though, so you might not catch him. Yeah, and you're about to get faster with all these damn new hires. So, facts. <laughs> so, no, nah, but it's kind of like, man, real quick, and I'll go ahead and let it go. But it's like we talked about last week with Lori Lightfoot questioning the offer she made to a proposal she made to the Bears to stay in Soldier Field. And you were talking about how oh, it's too late and stuff like that. Well, that may or may not be true. Well, like you said, you're asking me why she did it. Well, this is the same thing can, can apply to Biden. At least they did something. They tried, right? So now, again, not getting all political here, but like I said, now you can say he did that. People can obviously criticize it, but it's a little check mark you can put it on his presidential resume whenever he tries to rerun. So, and that's why it's there. In all its glory and lack thereof. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I want other people to actually pay attention to what's in this bill. And then, hell, tell us. Let me know how this is going to help inflation in the here and now. I feel like in a weird way, to your point, Jason, shit, it might juice the price. The price, might, the price of the brick might go up in 2022. Thanks a lot. <laughs> the government will never be broke. They will get their money back. They'll get their money back. With interest. Anyways. Literally. All right. That concludes our first segment on the Inflation Reduction Act. Coming up next, 
Are there any brown folks in Montana? We're talking about a number, of, a growing number of Americans moving to Mexico. Coming up next on Copart Bros. Jason and I are fresh off the segment discussing the Inflation Reduction Act. In the second segment, we're going to be talking about whether or not there's any... <laughs> I know we, we it was tongue-in-cheek. Are there any brown folks in Montana? Um, folks, that is not our topic, this, this, this segment. That was a joke. We're talking about something different. Stay with us. It's something different, but it's the same. But... <laughs> uh, Jason found this article where basically he he noticed um, that there were in the article there were a growing number of Americans moving to Mexico, and basically that the effect on Mexico. Um, and I thought it was wild personally because and and, and Jason I, I I I watched the CNN video, but when we were discussing this, my first thought was, why the hell would I? want to move to another country right now. Really? You make it seem like that's so far-fetched. Okay. Are you moving to Mexico? That's not what you... Well, hang, on, hang on now. You, you talking about me moving right now or in the future? Uh, okay, right now, okay. no. And, and, just, and just to prove we're not xenophobes, take out Mexico and Canada. <laughs> how, how about we explain this article first before we get too deep into our uh, you know conversations so people get a good gist of what we're talking about? Okay, well, you can reference the New York Post one then, because what was funny is that the New Mexico City residents were pissed off by the influx of Americans speaking English and, gen- and gentrification. And so I thought that was hilarious, because I'm just like, hey, I can't relate. Actually, I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you might want to think about that, bro. But but yeah, so exactly. So what basically what Terrence is referring to is basically that there's an influx, not only Mexico City, an influx of Americans, U.S. citizens moving to Mexico. Uh, currently, as of right now, there are 1.6 million U.S. citizens living in Mexico. Um, now, Mexico City, being the capital of the country, is going to see that big influx. Apparently, it's very um, conducive to Americans making that transition over. It's I'm not going to say it feels like home, but it's not like a strange land when you go there. But a lot of people that move there, it's going to be a lot of Californians, people from New York, those places that have a high cost of living there, where those same people who are remote workers who get paid a pretty decent uh, salary, they can move to Mexico, still make that same U.S. dollar money, but that dollar money goes a lot further in Mexico. For example, 
the article mentioned a gentleman who moved from San Diego. He said he was living in San Diego. He was paying $2,200 a month for a studio apartment, whereas now he's living in Mexico, has a two-bedroom apartment for 800 bucks a month. So essentially, he's, 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 you know, his rent shaved out uh, you know, only a, a third of that. So that's why people, again, California and New York are flocking there. Not to say they're only states that are doing that. That's what the big deal is. Now, like Terrence mentioned, that's great for them. As somebody who is looking to pursue a permanently remote position, I, I get it. Wanting to move somewhere where it's better for you and, and, and everything. But where it comes, like Terrence mentioned, residents of Mexico City, they're not feeling it no more. Now, obviously, the U.S. dollar is a lot more valuable than the, than the Mexican peso. Not not knocking it. That's, that's facts. But when you get the huge influx of people that make, are making more money than the current residents, like you said, it's kind of like their own inflation. Prices are going to start going up because of you know demand and supply, supply demand, however you want to put it. Now you got more people that can afford things. Let's raise it up. Like say a gallon of of, of uh, orange juice normally might cost you know two bucks there. Now it's five. You know, uh, real quick, I'm gonna let you jump back in here. But there was a video shown there. It was a restaurant tour in Mexico City who had been in their location for about 10, 20 years. Well, with this influx of uh, new money, essentially, she wasn't able to afford to stay there anymore. So they kicked her out, had it to the point where she had to get her stuff out in five minutes. And guess what went up after they left? Luxury apartments. Who's that for, you think? So so that's kind of what, what's going on there. The influx of those U.S. migrant <laughs> the migrant workers, that people might call them, migrant you know, remote workers going to Mexico City. So... It might be all cool and fun and games for the um, U.S. workers, which is what it is, but it does have an effect. You mentioned gentrification. Kind of the same thing, just in a different country. I think there would be less of an issue, all jokes aside. I mean, I'm... You you sure? I think it would be less of an issue if, you know, most... I shouldn't say most. I should say some, some Americans... Definitely will carry this aura of, hey, even though this is a road game for me, they still expect you to cater to them. Like, how do you mean? Like, you know how some people would say, hey, you're in America, you're, 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 you're in America, you need to speak English. Or if you were really ignorant, you would say, speak American. <laughs> exactly. 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 And so, it's that vibe, dog. That's what I'm saying. Is that some individuals, unfortunately, they like the idea of living in another country. They don't like the reality. They 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 don't. Um. They don't. They don't even appreciate where they are. It's just basically a commodity for them. Um and. As a result, they might end up, frankly, being assholes. And imagine someone that, listen, it's one thing if you have to deal with the big dumb American when, you know, he's he's schnockered um, a full week at a, at a resort, right? That's one thing. When you're setting up shop three months, six months, a year plus, it does do something. To the locals. Because you're like, the fuck is this? I'm like, I'm being disrespected in my own backyard. 
That's what I'm saying. And, that, and to me, that just translates well, Jason. Like, we could be talking about Mexico. You know, I am someone that has had the blessing. I've, I've been to Mexico for a few vacations. Uh, I've been, I've stepped out uh, in Canada on occasion. And so I've always appreciated and treaded lightly because I did not call it home because it was not my home. And I think there's definitely some, 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 some blowback and probably deserve it, deservedly so. I, and, and Jason, I, I'll just say this and I'll shut up. No, you won't. Maybe. I don't begrudge people that are, that are coming from California because I've heard stories where people are like, yeah, I can't afford an apartment. It's literally more than what I make. I'll just stay my ass in my car. I'll brush my teeth in this hatchback before I pay, you know, 80% of what I make. So, you know, rent, you know, you know, some people say, oh, you know, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy to rent. I'm like, it's crazy to rent or buy if it's 80% of what you make. Although I will say this, I mean, I definitely get it. Um, like, like I tell you all the time, if you don't like your situation where you live, for whatever reason, move. So kudos to anybody that, that actually does that, you know, it's like they always, people always say, I'm moving to Canada whenever a president gets elected and they don't like them. I'm moving to Canada. Well, some people probably did that. Now these people are moving to Mexico. Uh, I mentioned 1.6 people, U.S. citizens in uh, Mexico. Canada's right behind them at number two, so they're not far away. But I definitely agree with you when it comes to that as well. Like whenever you're going, like if you're moving to a country, you have to know that you're going to a country, and especially if you don't speak the language, that's going to be an issue. Now, that's why I might have a little reservation to move to Mexico, really because of that. Well, not just because of that, also the potential supposed danger of it, you know. Not to say living in America is not dangerous in, in, in some cases, but but yeah, the language barrier. Gotta think about that. I watched a video not too long ago about the 10 countries in the world outside of the US that have the most US people living in it. Like I said, Mexico and Canada were one and two respectively. But a lot of things they mentioned was if you wanted to move to this country, it's gonna be beneficial for you to come to this particular country because you don't have to worry about the language barrier. Like if you went to England uh, or anywhere like that, Canada for that matter, there's not gonna be language barrier, you know? I mean, yeah, there might be a slang barrier, yeah, but you know, you know, I worry about the language. So, but, but I guess another question I'll say to anybody moving from California or New York or wherever country, wherever state you're moving from, why Mexico? Like, why wouldn't you go somewhere else in the, in the United States that might have the same climate that you that you're looking for that don't doesn't cost as much? You know, not going to throw any examples out there because not every state's perfect. I can always say Texas, lower cost of living. Similar, probably a little more hotter weather, whatnot, but yeah. I find it funny you mentioned that because I feel like some of that's already been happening. And as a result, there I feel like there's some of the major areas like your Austins, your Houston's, what have you. Price of everything's going up. Why? Because it ain't a secret no more. Word's already out. It's like actually earlier today, I, I saw like what's a, a good place to go to fight the inflation for our statewide. I, the, the, the video mentioned Iowa was number one. And why is that low cost of living? Because nobody wants to live in Iowa. 
until people find out they do want to live in Iowa. You know what I mean? Because I, 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 when I heard that, I thought about like, can I live in Iowa? And I started rationalizing reasons why I can make it work. Not that I actually want to do it. But if I push kind of shove, I'm like, well, Iowa's not that far from Illinois, where my hometown is, so I could do it. They speak English there. But so, so that helps. I'm not going to Montana, though. Like Terrence mentioned earlier, it's not the black folks in Montana, so. I, it's funny, but it's not. Only point, only point six percent of the Montana population is black folks. Point six. Not it's not like, 6.0, point six. It's like that one song, "A Stranger in Moscow," by Michael Jackson. I was like, yeah, that's gonna be Jason ass in Montana. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, as I said before, I want to visit all fifty states. That's visit. I don't want to live in all of them. Definitely not Montana. No, no offense to anybody there. I'm sure they're very fine people in Montana. There's some of that listen to us. Thank you for listening. We appreciate that. I'm just not living there. Sorry. Catch me when I come, catch me when I come to Helena at some point, but yeah, that's about it. You know what? I mean, I'm not even I'm not even entertaining this fantasy, but I will say that all of these states are, are I'm willing to visit. Um, but yeah, I would. Even with all of its problems, and Illinois' problems are obvious at this point. I don't even got to list them. I've heard them all. I, if your if your goal is to outrun inflation, I mean, moves 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 still moves still cost money, <laughs> you know, uh, and so. I, you know, you got to give up your, you know, your, you got to give up. It's like opportunity cost. You have to give up time to even coordinate that shit. But if I was somebody that lived in California, for example, I'm like, well, hell, it's so expensive there. You almost can't say I would never do it. I mean, I would move from California. I wouldn't necessarily look to go to Mexico of all places. I mean, like I said, I'll chat with somebody. On social media, uh, they were saying that they were trying to convince their husband to move the family to to Mexico. And I said, "Why?" And of course, they went right to lower cost of living because California is is expensive. And 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 she said her husband can keep a job, work remotely. So I'm like, "Good for you, you know." So so yeah, I definitely know somebody who lives in California. I think they live in San Jose, I believe. Who lives in California? Actually, they live in L.A. But, but yeah, so they live in L.A. So probably the second most expensive place in California. So for them, keep the same job, find a place in Mexico City where you can live, live the same lifestyle or better lifestyle, and there you go. Yeah, but then that comes to a point of how we, how would one define a better lifestyle? And I'm totally playing devil's advocate here. Um, well, that's up to each what, individual, man. How would you define it then, since you're the only individual that I co-host a show with? I'm the only one? You're, you're not cheating on me? There's not I some other? Not, okay. I am not cheating on you. Okay, that's fine. I mean, if you do, that's fine. Just tell me. But Jason, um, Jason, God knows it's hard enough to satisfy one co-host. I couldn't even entertain uh, a possible uh, side host. Are we still talking about TV? Uh, are we still talking about podcasts here? But anyway, um, yeah, looking at you, kid. But anyway, uh, okay, back on the rails. Uh, so you're asking me what, what's a better lifestyle? I mean. I mean, obviously, the first thing you want to point to is making your your dollar go farther. 
where I can also still have the same income, but not have as much money going out on the stuff, same stuff that I want. You know, like I mentioned the guy earlier, $2,200 in rent for a smaller apartment. Now he's paying 800 bucks a month in, in rent for a bigger apartment, you know? So, and that, that's probably the first thing you think about is that my everyday expenses, what's going to be less rent, gas, food, you know, stuff like that. Now, obviously, like you said, you got to factor in all the time to move, the expenses to move. But the main thing is, what's going to help my monthly in and monthly out? Because you probably, if you got money saved, you can move. That's what the uh, saving money's for. That those expenses there. But what's going to cost me less on a monthly in and monthly out? You know, so that, that's start, that's step one with the better lifestyle. You know, uh, now not to mention, depending on what city you're in, like say if you live in New York City, and New you're kind of tired. City. <laughs> you good? I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Okay, uh, but like I say, yeah, if you live in New York City, you might be tired of living the living in the the urban you know jungle, whatever you want to call it, the concrete jungle, and say, hey, you know what? Let me think about moving to Mexico. It's not as much of a concrete jungle. It's more possibility of fun in the sun, depending on where I move to. Or if I don't, so what? Still paying a whole lot more, le- how much uh, less? So uh, it's really really all that, bro. It's getting to a better lifestyle, not even just the money, just escaping the environment that you're in. There are some people that don't like living in the city, but they do for whatever reason. So they want to move to the country or vice versa. You know, and that's really what it's all about. It's up to each individual to determine what their be- uh, best lifestyle is or what's a better lifestyle for what they're in now, or what they're trying to, quote unquote, escape. You know, some people might just be wanting to escape the the the, the cost of living. Some people might want to be escaping the, the, the environment they're in. Some people might want to escape the country in general. So, you know what? The healthy U.S., I'm moving to Canada or Mexico in this case, you know. It just depends on the individual, what they're trying to, again, escape. Yeah, I hear you. And I feel like there's probably people in other countries that make the same, you know, play in their heads, like the cost-benefit analysis, you know. Um, That's called immigration, sir. So, yeah. That's another That's another political topic, quote-unquote political. Yep, yep. I, I think, one, thank you for sharing. Like what's important, like your, um, what you, what's important to you in terms of lifestyle? What's, what's, you're absolutely right. It is a personal choice. What it, what moves one person, um, to, you know, professional satisfaction or personal satisfaction. Um, and I, in this perspective, I think they're intertwined because at the end of the day, corporations are made up of people. And you need people to thrive professionally. People need people, Terrence. People need people. Oh, real quick, folks, just a little uh, lesson here. I mentioned Catch Me in Helena. Uh, that is the capital of Montana, folks. Look at that. We, we dropping history history lessons here on CPV. Love it. Well, it's, not really, well, it's not really history, but whatever. Okay, geography. Shit. <laughs> that's, that's more like it. Okay. Thank goodness. All right. That concludes our segment on the growing number of Americans uh, moving to Mexico. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about Alex Jones and his dumbass lawyers on Calpar Bros.
Cal Park Bros. Jason and I are fresh mm-hmm. off the segment about a growing number of Americans moving to Mexico. In the third and final segment of the show, we're going to be talking about a dear old friend of the podcast. And by I say dear old friend, I mean a real deplorable asshole named Alex Jones. He's one of your favorite people, Terrence. He's on, he's on the list. Don't lie. He's on, he's on a short list. Jason, let me tell you something about Alex Jones. How Alex Jones has managed to make any money is pretty reprehensible. And we've already covered uh, the Sandy Hook uh, parents actually, you know, fighting Alex Jones and winning the lawsuit. Um, But the reason why Alex Jones is coming up this week is because Alex Jones' lawyers are literally doing the devil's work for him. And what I mean by that is, in the middle of of his uh, defamation trial, Alex Jones's lawyers accidentally sent over all of the entire contents of his phone, his cell phone, to the lawyers for uh, one of the Sandy Hook parents. So imagine just gift wrapping that evidence and handing it over to the other side. The judge asked, hey, how did you attain, obtain this evidence? Well, you gave it to me. Now, I'm going to use a quote uh, from NBC News. Mark Banks and a lawyer for the parents of one of the children killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre and who, and who are now suing Jones said during the proceedings that 12 days ago, his attorneys messed up and sent me a digital copy of every text and email from Jones's phone. After Banks and told Jones that the Sandy Hook parents' legal team had access to years of his texts and emails, he asked Jones, do you know what perjury is? Well, do you? Punk, I was talking to you, Terrence. You know what perjury is? I, I, I know it, inv- it involves lying in a court of law. That's what it involves. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the he literally had all the receipts, and he gift wrapped it to him. His legal team gift wrapped it. This is because it's happening to Alex Jones. That's why it's a story. Because the Sandy Hook conspiracy theories are the things of legend. They're disgusting. I, I need to state that plainly. Like, if, if you don't hear me say anything else in this show, any conspiracy theories about crisis actors or any of that bullshit when parents literally couldn't help their kid that night, those are disgusting. And you need serious psychiatric help if you're actually still um, spreading that bullshit. I'm sorry. Has to be said. But the real star of the show here is they got him. They got him, dog. Because Alex Jones has been running has been running a sham trying to say that I wasn't trying to you know perpetuate these these uh, conspiracy theories. And then, of course, the lawyers for the Sandy Hook parents will say, dog, you're literally running with this shit like it's flag football. Right here. And that's signing off on one of those conspiracy theories five years later. That's five years after these parents had to bury their kids. So, yeah, 
It's disgusting. Disgusting then, disgusting now, disgusting forever. Just a reminder, parents of the Sandy Hook's uh, victims are suing Alice Jones for $150 million. And so, because these parents of the Sandy Hook victims are on his ass, he does what most people do when they really afraid they about to lose they they shirt they start saying things aren't worth as much as they actually are and so not only did those text messages messages indicate oh Alex Jones effectively saying oh yeah I'm running with this but also the documents also showed clearly InfoWars is worth a fuck ton more than Alex Jones tried to say it was worth. According to Bankson, there are several days in 2018 in which InfoWars made over $800,000 per day. Now, what's interesting is Alex Jones didn't say there certainly wasn't a day where they didn't make $800,000 per day, but he tried to say that some of the higher profit days came during the week of uh, CPAC, which is the conservative conference. And the reason why that matters is because earlier in this trial, Alex Jones was trying to allege that his company made 200000 per day. Which is still a very high amount for, for a lot of businesses. Maybe not for them, but that's still, you ain't broke. But yeah, so that's, that's really what the, one of the big things was when it comes to the lawyers. Uh, you know, accidentally, we'll say, turn over those, those documents that pretty much flushed his bankruptcy argument out of the, out of the water. Because like you mentioned, eight hundred bucks, eight hundred thousand dollars a day, even if it was just for a year. So what? You got to prove where, where that money is. If you broke, okay, show me where, where the money go. So and obviously they couldn't do that. Hence why uh, yesterday, uh, part of the reason why the judge ruled Alex Jones and you know says Sandy Hook defamation case can proceed in Connecticut because nothing's stopping you from you know paying this money if you lose and that's it. Now personally. Um, I, I think I don't have as, as, as hard, harsh of feelings towards this guy as you do. But he's definitely one of those people where I don't give a, excuse me, I give a damn about. And thankfully, neither does he, the law. Because, again, you ain't broke. Your company ain't broke. You did this stuff when it comes to saying it's a hoax. You've, you've recently even admit, admitted that you recognize that it wasn't a hoax. And now... It's gonna be time to to pay. Simple as that. It's gonna be time to pay. You know, he's gonna give up. He's gonna have to give up that 150 million. I'm sure he's got it, or if not, he can get it. And that's gonna be the end of that. And it, what's really interesting to me, though, is that I've seen Alex Jones do interviews since all the Sandy Hook stuff when it comes to doing stuff with Joe Rogan, which I know that we have an opinion about Joe Rogan. Well, he's still saying outlandish and ridiculous things that don't seem to be based on truth. It seems to be based off of opinions, based off what he thinks is a fact, but really isn't. When Joe Rogan calls you out live on his show, that probably should be a sign of, uh, you know what, maybe I need to calm down. And it's funny because during that interview, and I wish I could pull it back up and, and kind of reference it more, but you can tell Alex Jones is kind of realizing, eh, you know what, maybe I was wrong about this. Maybe I shouldn't have gone so hard at this. 
And, you know, so maybe, you know, this will teach him a lesson. Maybe he'll realize that, you know what, maybe I need to watch what I say. Because obviously when you, so me and you, obviously we have this show, right? Which can be heard by anybody all over the world. Copartbros.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, plug. You can listen to the show. Now, with that being said, our voices don't carry as much weight as somebody like him. So if I was to say Sandy Hook was a, Sandy Hook was a hoax, which is which it wasn't, it's going to weigh a lot different than what he says, and that's maybe something else he needs to think about as well. Which he knows it, he knows when he says stuff, it's going to ring loud, especially now. So again, that hundred fifty million, it's going to be a hard lesson for him to watch what he says, and if you say it, you better be able to back it up with the reality, and probably not say something stupid when it comes to somebody losing their lives, especially when it's when it's children involved. What else you got, dog? I mean, your your point is noted. I don't care if, and your point is, is specifically, yeah, more people listen to Alex Jones. Yeah. And that's fucking sad because this person is literally lying for sport and money. And I can't decide which one's worse. So then he should be a politician. No. That was a joke. That was a joke. Move on. That was a, that no. was a joke. <laughs> he should. I I am enjoying the chickens coming home to roost on this one, because Alex Jones to 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 quote um to he has showed his ass for a very long time. He has terrorized these Sandy Hook parents. He has perpetrated. I mean. All the shit going down right now with, you know, the January 6th, the Stop to Steal bullshit, Liz Cheney literally having to fight for her motherfucking life at her own party um, because people would rather embrace crazy than reason. He's had a role in that. He's He's absolutely had a role in that. And I don't give a shit. If he's got five dollars to his name, guess what? It's no longer his anymore. Can I buy five dollars, Alex? You got five dollars, Alex? No. Give me, can you give, give me, give me a dollar and two quarters. Now you're sounding like I'm gonna get you, sucker. That was that was a point. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you got it, folks. If you don't know, that's an old school movie back in the back in the day. It was a play on the old black exploitation movies. Check it out, Ken Ivory Wayne's, so forth and so forth. Check it out. But yeah. Um, I'm, I am personally relieved and it really shouldn't take you jeopardizing your entire fortune because for every dollar that he earned, it's covered in cent. And I, for one, will not weep for this man. So with that said, that concludes... Uh, the segment on Alex Jones and his lawyers effectively gift wrapping this defamation case to the Sandy Hook parents. And with Christmas that, in August. we'll wrap up the show.
Thank you for listening to the Cal Park Bros Podcast with your host, Terrence and Jason. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback and show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calparkbros.com. You can also reach us on the CPV voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message is end up on a, f- a future episode of this here podcast. Jason, final thoughts for the people. Hey, final thoughts are, hey, I love that episode. Different topics that we normally talk about. I didn't say they weren't interesting. Oh, that we don't talk about interesting stuff before. I just said it's different stuff, Terrence. Different. Different is good. Dare to be that. Dare to be that. But folks, hopefully you enjoyed that. If you did, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Remember, we drop our audio episodes every Thursday. CalPopBros.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And as of right now, we still drop our video segments every Monday on Facebook and YouTube. Check us out there. As always, folks, you're being fantastic Cal Park Bros stalkers and Cal Park Bros nerds. We always thank you for that. You are a part of the Cal Park Bros fam. And we're a loving family. And we want, want to make it grow. We're not having no babies. But definitely want to keep it. Yeah, we're not. I'm not. But we'll still want to make the show grow. So definitely share share with everybody. But speaking of sharing, if you want to stay part of that fam, there's some things you got to do. You got to remember, when it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? That's right. And with that said, this is Cal Park Bros. Signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?